Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good evening, and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club. My name is Denise Michaud, Chair of the Grown-Ups Forum, and your host for today. We also welcome our listening audience, and we invite everyone to visit us online at commonwealthclub.org. Our program tonight is Eat Your Cake and Have Enlightenment Too, Creating Wellness Through Spiritual Material Balance. And now is my pleasure to introduce our distinguished speaker, Anna Gatman. Anna was a former international fashion model turned educator and spiritual innovator. Her book, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance, has been recognized by international spiritual thought leaders. Anna holds a doctoral degree in transformative learning from the California Institute of Integral Studies, and you can view her very popular TEDx program online, also called Eat Your Cake and Have Enlightenment Too. Please welcome Anna Gatman. Thank you. So I want you to take a moment to imagine yourself in a state of wellness. This talk is part of the wellness series, The Art and Science of Wellness. So think of a moment when you experience wellness. Close your eyes if you want. Just take a moment. What activity are you engaged in as you experience wellness? What does it look like? What does it feel like, that moment, that activity? And are you feeling more open, more expansive, more content in the state of wellness? The Oxford Dictionary says that the state of being in good health, that wellness is the state of being in good health, especially as an actively pursued goal. So I don't know if you were feeling this sense of wellness physically or however you felt it. And, and I'm wondering, like, what is wellness for you? Here is a, an image I found. And you can see if what you felt or what you thought, you know, wellness is balance, it's diet, it's care, activity, relaxation, sleep time, fitness, vitamins, nutrition, health. There is a state of mind there too, but most of it is physical health. And that's what wellness is associated with. Does that connect to where you're at and how you experience wellness? So wellness is the pursuit of health. I want to offer an expanded version of wellness. And that is wellness is the pursuit of spiritual material balance. And I'm going to take you through a few options of what wellness can be more than just the experience of health or the pursuit of health. So in order to explain why spiritual material balance, I need to tell you a, a bit about myself. And so um, this all started when I was in 18 years old. I'd finished high school. Um, I swore I'd never go back to school. I had learning challenges that hadn't been diagnosed. I um, had red hair, which wasn't popular at the time. I had a heavy stutter. 
Uh, I came from a family with alcohol and rage and abuse. So I kind of began my life at age 18 uh, with low self-esteem and, and, and even hating myself. So you can imagine my surprise when I was approached by a fashion modeling scout who asked me if I want to travel the world and work as a fashion model. That was the least thing that I, the, the last thing I thought I'd be asked to do. Long story short, four months later, I ended up in Paris and began working a decade as a fashion model. And I worked with the biggest magazines, with Elle and Marie Claire and Vogue, and, and did runway shows for Yves Saint Laurent and Jean-Paul Gaultier, and was living a very materially gratifying life. But I'm very mission-driven, and I was miserable inside. I was looking for something more, some purpose and some meaning in my life. And so while I was living a very gratifying material life, I needed more. And I moved to the U.S., got married, raised a family with two beautiful boys, got a doctoral degree in spirituality and adult education. So by now, I was content. I had emotional fulfillment, spiritual fulfillment, intellectual stimulation. You'd think that I'd be happy, but I wasn't. I was still not content. And the reason I wasn't content was that along my spiritual journey, I picked up the belief, which maybe you're familiar with, that in order to be truly spiritual, I'm going to have to give up material pleasures and material desires and live a humble life with no material needs. Familiar with this? It's a common belief, right? Well, I had spent... From 18 to 28, I'd spent my life in Paris, and I had learned to appreciate the craftsmanship, the love, the dedication, the beauty, the art that goes into everything, bread, baking, cooking, fashion, architecture, gardening, opera, everything was done in such craftsmanship and such um, sacredness, and I was having experiences that I would consider to be spiritual, elation, transcendence, enjoyment, inspiration. But in the spiritual world, uh-uh, to be spiritual, no attachment to material things. So there I was, torn between the material world and the spiritual world, thinking that I'm not spiritual enough because I can't give up material pleasures. I was enjoying them. I was, being el- I was feeling elated f- around them. And like everybody else, was thinking, okay, there, there's nothing spiritual about my iPhone, and there's nothing material about compassion or love or transcendence. That was just spiritual. And my iPhone was just material, nothing spiritual about it. So there I was torn. And so at some point, I had an aha moment. And that aha moment happened in the English countryside when I was visiting a friend. I woke up one morning and just raised my head and looked out to the rolling hills. And this is what I saw. Cloud formations, hills with beautiful trees, forests in the background. There were cows walking. There were 
wildflowers that I could see. And I just felt this moment of grace and this moment of elation and peacefulness and joy. And in that moment, I had an aha, an aha moment. And the aha that I had, I looked out at nature and the expansiveness that it was evoking in me. And I thought, hmm, nature is in unity and balance between its spiritual part and its material part. And what I mean by that is the material part of nature is the colors, the, 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 the greens, the trees, the trunks, the flowers, everything that we can experience through our senses. That's the material part of nature. But it also emanates a spiritual part. And there's research today that shows that nature can really help us heal and create well-being. There's research that shows that if you heal from surgery in a hospital room with a window and a tree, you heal faster than if there's a wall. So I realized that nature was emanating both spiritual qualities that I was experiencing, peace and joy and tranquility and, and expansiveness, as well as the material beauty that I was seeing before me. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, we humans are part of nature. If nature lives in unity and balance between its spiritual aspects and its material, so can we. And suddenly I didn't have to live in the pull between the one or the other. I realized that our material world is an expression of the spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is our imagination and our um, dreaming um, our inventions, everything, what Deepak Chopra calls the, the field of pure potentiality, that through which we've created an entire world, civilization. So I want to give you some examples to show how the spiritual and the material are really not separate as we have learned in our culture. Is this spiritual or material? So the two elephants, is this material or is it spiritual? And material, right? You have these two beautiful, sweet, tender elephants expressing love, spiritual or non-physical, and it's two elephants doing it with a trunk. Likewise, the banner, be the reason someone smiles today, that's a, a material banner. But the words resonate in us, and if we go and do it, we're doing something spiritual with this material banner. And so on and so on, the spiritual and the material world intertwine and live together in everything that we do. I'll give you a few more examples. So my book, but, but that applies for any book, fiction or nonfiction. I took, I observed universal principles, okay? Spiritual. I used language. I used printing. I used ink and turned it into something material, the book. Okay, so now the book is just material. You, you would probably say a book is a material thing. Now you take the book, you read it, you translate it into something spiritual, you understand the principles, you go practice them, you've turned something, spir something spiritual, I've turned into something material, and you turn it from material to spiritual again. So when we look at a book as just something material, we're missing the spiritual part of it. And a fiction book is somebody's imagination. 
in somebody's creativity. That's the non-physical part of that person. So the spiritual and the material live in everything. So it's a great exercise to try and see what's the spiritual behind this chair or what's the spiritual behind the Commonwealth Club or anything that you do, anything that is physical material or that is spiritual try to see what is spiritual about it and if it's spiritual try to see does its material expression emanate this spiritual quality that it intends to the iphone is the same thing or the smartphone material icon but think of the creativity and innovation that happened that we just take for granted now And we watch Lord of the Rings and we dream of being Gandalf, Gandalf the Grey. And yet we are able to go like this and swish and open apps and close apps. And that's magic. And we just take it for granted. That's the spiritual. And the people who worked on any technology, they paid for college for their kids. And they paid mortgages. And they gave their love and creativity and hard work. They gave their soul and their spirit to create something that we go, oh, it's just a material thing. And so when the spiritual world or the spiritual teachings say that material things here today, gone tomorrow, they're actually contributing to the landfill. Because instead we should experience sacredness around everything material and see what is its origin, what is its purpose, what is its intention, Where is the love, the care? And if there isn't, then you don't need it and hopefully will create less things. But if it has value for it, then appreciate the value because it's an expression of those values. So I'm going to take you along. We've talked about wellness as a physical pursuit. We've talked about spiritual a wellness as the pursuit of spiritual material balance. And I want to add something because the best way for humans to experience spiritual material balance is living your calling, living your life purpose. Because when you live your life purpose, you are aligned like the oak tree. The oak tree is living its fullness, the oakness of what it is meant to be. Effortlessly. And when we live our life purpose and our calling, we are doing the same. So I want to suggest that wellness is also the pursuit of expressing your life purpose. Now here too, there's some fallacies. Just though there are fallacies about the material world, there's some fallacies about calling because it's very popular now to talk about my calling, my calling, my purpose. And people are desperately looking for what is my life purpose. So I want to give you a different perspective of what, how I see life purpose. Again, a spiritual aspect to it, a material aspect to it. So many people are just lost looking for their purpose, but looking in the wrong place. So here, the first false belief is that your life calling is out there waiting for you. You just haven't stumbled upon it yet. When the truth is that the spiritual essence of your calling is already inside you. You just have to discover what it is, but it's already in here. And you're living it already. And what it is, it's a quality or two qualities or a phrase. And I'll give you some examples in a moment. 
that really speak to who you are at your essence. So just like there's a variety of animals, endless, and there's diversity in the plant kingdom, our calling, the quality, the, the spiritual essence, the different qualities that we each um, are meant to share with the world, that is, um, that is when we are at our highest, highest self and when we feel alive. There are two more fallacies. So one is your life calling involves a specific occupation. And if it can be a volunteer one, that's better. And the truth is that your life purpose is to discover the essence of your calling, to express that quality in everything you do, not just in your work or your volunteer life, but in all areas of your life. And that the material expression of your calling can happen in many different ways. In your 20s, it happens in one way. When you're married, it happens in another. When you're retiring, it happens in another. When you change countries, you're single, you're married. Different life circumstances you can express because all you ha- is the essence is in you all the time. And you express it in different ways throughout your life. The third fallacy about our calling is that our life calling to be really meaningful has, it should focus on serving other people. And that's a big one. And it's very tricky because when we are selfless and we care about others, we do feel good about ourselves. And we do feel a relief. And we feel like our life has meaning. But I want to switch it around just a bit. Living your calling and sharing the essence of who you are is your life purpose, and therefore it serves other people. So it's not serving something outside. You get to express the essence of who you are, and that serves other people. Clear? So it's different. It's a switch. So we are each a portal of spiritual wisdom. We have access as a portal to spiritual wisdom, and its expression in the physical material world in everything we do through your personality, your dreams, your goals, your life purpose. So I want to give you examples because it's so different than how we think about purpose and calling that I want to give you some example. So I worked with a a, um, retired businessman in Silicon Valley who was looking for his life purpose. He had um, been very successful financially, and he was looking to give back, and he was looking for his purpose. And so we did this exercise that I do uh, to discover what the essence of your calling is that's already inside you. And at the end of the exercise, he says, the essence of my calling is clarity and direction. Now, you wouldn't think about clarity and direction as a calling, right? You'd think about it as qualities. But he said, clarity and direction is what helped me be as successful as I was at the crossroads where I had to make a decision. Now, clarity and direction is a really important quality or two, right? We need it in everything that we do. If we're in a spiritual path or we run a business, we need clarity and direction. So for someone to feel that he's most alive when he can share with the world, he's expertise and clarity and direction is a great value. So suddenly 
he felt like, oh, I have a purpose already. It's in me. This is what I'm amazing at, clarity and direction. I'll give you another example just so you see what I'm talking about because it's very different than how we talk about about purpose. I worked with a woman who was in between jobs and she was not sure what kind of job to look for and frustrated. And again, she did the exercise that we do um, that, that kind of elicits what the essence of your calling is. And she came out with an expression. She said, I am a mother goose. I love mothering. It's my favorite thing. It's when I feel alive is when I mother. I loved mothering my children. They're teenagers now, and I still love it. But more than that, every job I go to, people tell me that I'm like the mother goose in the company. So she had this aha moment that her calling, when she's at her best, is when she's a mother goose. And she said, now I can go looking for a job where I get to be a mentor or the head of a team, or in a certain way, I get to be a mother goose within my job because then I can be who I am. And so it's not that much, is it this job or that job? It's how can I be a mother goose in everything I do? You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Learn about our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for any of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at CommonwealthClub.org. Now back to our program. Another young man. For him, what came up was high performance. That was the thing that high performance just gave him. He felt so alive around high performance. He loves looking at other people who are doing, who are at high performance. And he tries doing things that give him a sense of high performance. That's when he's alive. So you see how different they are. Last one. My... The essence of my calling that I have come up with through the exercise I do is expansive abundance. And so you see that it infiltrates or, or not infiltrates, it, it's imbued in everything I do. I teach about expansiveness. I develop four keys that allow you to expand into a more spiritual state of mind and being. So it's not like it's something that, oh, my calling. It's like everything. It's the essence of who I am, but I get to do it in my work and in my relationship, and right here, showing you an expansive perspective on wellness and showing you how there's abundance in having a larger perspective about wellness. So that's, so we have spoken about physical wellness, about spiritual material wellness, and wellness that comes from living the essence of your calling, leading your life, all your professional and personal life from the essence of your calling. And so I want to add one fourth one, and that's expansive. I've spent the last 15, 18 years really studying through my doctoral research and my TEDx talk and my book, how can we have expansive experiences in daily life? And what I discovered is underlying, the underlying characteristics of all spiritual experiences is a sense of expansiveness. If you think of a spiritual teacher or Martin Luther King, 
when he gave his speech, he was larger than who he was as a person. He was channeling something, right? There's this expansiveness. Any saints or sages that we know, they live in this expansive state. And from that state, they have access to wisdom that we go like, well, how do they have that wisdom? I wish I could, I could have it too. So I've, make it, I've made it my life mission to find out how we can, us simple people, ordinary people can also have these expansive experiences so we can also tap into the same source, into the same wisdom that teachers and saints um, have a natural capacity to do. And so expansiveness... That is, I think that wellness is about expansiveness. Because when we feel wellness, it usually is in comparison to how we felt before. We're in a state of mind or being, we're doing something, and suddenly we feel this, what we call wellness. We're better, we're eating better, we're sleeping better, we're enjoying life more. So it's always like wellness is in comparison to something else. So I think that ultimately wellness is creating a portal for expansive consciousness, expansive perspective of our health, of our life calling, of our relationships, of what we call spiritual and what we call material. And I thought there's another form of wellness that's important that needs to be mentioned in these times where we're all one big community on this planet. And that's wellness as the pursuit of community. So we've had the physical, we've had the spiritual and the material, that's expansive, then we have our calling, the expansiveness. Wellness is a pursuit of community. We have online communities that we are part of, We have the human community, we have our cultural communities, political communities. But more and more as technology brings us together through interests and through concerns, the more community becomes important, that we belong to communities, that we feel that we are part of communities and that we experience the the joy and the empowerment that happens when you're in community. Because we're not alone. We have other like-minded people. We um, have shared interests. We have shared goals and um, tasks. And so I think that wellness is also the pursuit of community. So here are the four. There's wellness, which originally was the pursuit of health. Then there was spiritual material wellness, the wellness that comes from living your calling and expressing the essence of who you are in everything you do. And then there's this sense of expansiveness, the capacity to expand your consciousness on a daily basis, which I talk about in my book, and which we practice in the expansive community that I've created. It's my latest passion, and it's an online community where we practice to expand our consciousness and practice to express the calling, the essence of our calling in all areas of our life. 
And I think that wellness from going to physical health all the way to planet wellness is really important in this time with everything that's going on in our planet. And each one of us, if you think of your life, your life is an occasion. It's a celestial occasion. If you think of it that way, billions of years to create where we are today, to create you and you and you and you. It is a celestial event. So we're invited to rise to the occasion of this celestial event that is you, that is you, that is me, that is you. So that's how you can both eat your cake and have enlightenment too. By really expanding what wellness means into different circles of your life. And thank you. And let's open it up for questions if anybody has questions, insights. Thank you very much for all this uh, fantastic input. Uh, one thing I may disagree with you is that technology, the way that is developing right now, is actually creating obstacles for community relationship, as I experienced mm -hmm. within our family. I had a much better uh, community, communal relation with my kids, with my grandkids. Mm. Now, really, I have to do all the way with iPad or iPhone. Yeah. Rarely we get a chance to talk yeah. to the, the issue for me is that um, the element of disruption in this balancing you're talking about, you know, the outside world is creating disruptive element into yeah. this. So let's talk yeah. about that part. Yeah. Thank you. I think that it's really important that you brought that up. And like anything, there is a balance. And... <clears throat> I think that it does both. And I think that awareness happens in any area in whatever your life situation is. And so most people are not aware. They, they, they just live life. And if, you know, if they were given a phone as a Christmas gift at age three, then that's what there is. And, you know, they don't care about community or grandparents or anything like that. Right. And so there is that. But I think that what we need to do is become aware because the minute you become aware of the power of technology, then you can use it when you need it and make a point not to use it when you don't need it. Because, for example, today, I shared with my family, my spouse was in L.A., my son was in Oakland, another one at work, and we had workers who came and gutted the kitchen. And it was unexpected. We had a leak, and, and I shared on a family chat images of the fans and told them what was going on. And I felt such a sense of connection. And I have such a chat with my family in Sweden and my family in Israel. And so I find that I, today we are here and this is how we connect. So there is wonderful things in it. And if you use them for the wonderful things in it, when, when you hear when the, there's a demonstration in, in, in the Middle East and you hear about it and people send money from the U.S., that's wonderful connection. But I totally agree with you that we sit too much, too much on our technology, 
all of us. It's easy. It's addictive. We're exhausted. So it kind of feeds us and it entertains us. And I'll tell you what I think it is called for. What I think is called for is whoever knows the world how it was before has to stand up for what it was before and has to say, I know that this is what you like to do. You, you don't know better, but I know something else. And I want to have, you know, a rule in the house that when I come to visit, there's one hour with no technology. So really, every opportunity is an opportunity to grow and to grow spiritually and to express it in our physical world. And so that would, is what I would tell you to say, you know, I want to sit with you face to face. I want to spend time with you. It might not be easy, but I'll tell you eventually, if you insist on it, at some point, your children or grandchildren will appreciate you for it. Maybe not immediately, but they will afterwards. So you're called to bring that into your life. Kind of leveraging off that discussion, you mentioned earlier that this whole balance, spiritual materiality balance changes as we go through life. Yeah. And I think part of what I'm noticing as an older generation is that younger generations have different definitions of what these things are. So for them, community is different from what our generation thought community was. They, their community is a virtual wired community, and yeah. they are just as hooked into those those virtual relationships as yeah. we were in our suits and networking. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the problem is that I think it's important that we not view these pockets of people but that there's a somehow there's something connecting all of it even though their way of doing it is different from our way of doing it yeah so how does this whole spirituality and expansiveness spread out and take that into account i think that we need to remember and that's a spiritual perspective that we are more than our history and our personality and the habits that we have, okay? The belief that I hold, you know, and that many do, that we are spiritual beings having a material experience. So, for example, at some point in early on in my business, I hadn't been on, fa on Facebook yet, so that was like 15 years ago or so, and somebody who was working with me said, you have to be on Facebook. And I thought, over my dead body, I'm not going to go to Facebook. And that was then, like early on. And you know what? I woke up two days afterwards and I said, that is so e ego-driven. If I have come to this world right now and I have a message to share and Facebook is one of the ways to do it, then I'm going to step above myself and that's what I'm going to use. I'm not Facebook. I'm not this. It's like, okay, if that's a tool. Today, Facebook is a very different thing. So today to make a statement to not use Facebook is something else, but... I'm not going to get into that. Um, so I, I think it's important to look at how things happen. That Our kids evolve. You see, when you were a kid, your parents felt that you're doing things different, right? I mean, they thought that the music that we listened to, if it was hard rock or the Beatles or whatever it was at the time, that that was awful 
and it wasn't the way that they used to do it. So I think that we need to look at the principle of what's similar. We're all looking for community. We're all looking for connection. And at different generations and different circumstances, it's done in a different way. So there's an acceptance of reality on the one hand. And the second thing is like if you don't like something, then stand up for it. That is your spiritual journey if you decide to take it, to stand up for it. Because people are doing it in everything, if it's with technology or something else. I think that the spirituality that I live by is one of the, everything in my life is a spiritual practice and if I want to change something I need to change it I cannot say it's not how it used to be or that's too big or too hard for me um, and, and I can say that in the expansive community the online community again an online community but not on Facebook very sacred safe space we support each other to stand up for what's important for us because we need to change our world. It's, it's not working. That was exactly my question. You mentioned your online community yeah. and I wanted to ask you what that was. Yeah. Uh, it's away from Facebook without the clutter of <coughs> Facebook. Um, it's an online community where people from wherever they are in the world can be in a sacred, safe space and get support in identifying the essence of their calling and then chunking down goals and weekly goals and tasks of how to express this essence of who you are in different areas of your life, both personally and professionally, in your relationships and in your health and in all areas of your life. So here we are using technology, um, but it was important for me to have a safe space. It was important for me to not have this ADHD restlessness that Facebook has. And so I'm using technology for what it works and saying goodbye to to technology that I don't want. And we can't can't put the genie back in the bottle. (laughs) That's not possible. So how can we become larger, more expansive in our perspective and see the good in where we're going and stand up for what we don't want. I think you made a good point about how it's easy to say that's not how it used to be, or I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And how very rarely we think about that. Maybe we're putting our ego aside of a learning opportunity. Right. And that life is constantly change. Right. So how do you know when or coach people when you're, when you stand up for what you when you stand up and fight versus yeah. when you look and say, is how is my ego yeah. driving this? And what yeah. is it potentially? Yeah. What am I fighting for? Yeah. I think that it's the ultimate question <laughs> of being on a spiritual journey, right? What do you know? Right or left? Is this my ego or is this the true me? Right. You know, one, one guideline that I have that I heard, um, and one's from someone, and it's very simple, and I love it. Um, does this foster con- uh, wholeness and connection, or does this foster a separation? And I feel like that has been a guideline for me, that, that it foster this or that. So that's one way, right? Um, the other way is that when you come from this essence of knowing 
who you are and what your purpose is to share, this quality that is for you to share, then you can tap in and, and ask, does this serve this or does it not serve this? So that's another way. But there's a lot of education to do because we look at the material world as just material, like dead material. We don't look at it as an expression of someone's dedication and love and hard work and study and creativity and love and care and service. So first we need to do an inventory of everything material in our life and say, what is behind this? Is there spiritual value? Like, why did I get this? And before you throw it out, ask yourself, does it have a value? Maybe it has a memory. Maybe it connects you to something and a, a part of you that's important. And so you want to have it around you because each time you look at it, you go, this cr- connects me to something bigger than who I am. And so it really is, you all the time have to walk like this, <laughs> you know, and ask yourself. So first, before you throw something out and say it's the ego, just check. Is there a spiritual essence to this? Is there value to it and then you can decide if to keep it or not right and, and I also in, in my book I, I, I identify four keys to living in spiritual material balance and I find that practicing those really helps because when you're in an expansive state you have a much better idea of what's true and what's not and what's right and what's not and what's the right thing to do next And so practicing those can be helpful as well to begin identifying. And then suddenly you just know, this feels good. This is the old thing. I I don't need this. But it's always a question. So, Anna, can you remind us of your book title? You'll be signing books outside in the library area. So my book is called Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. And, and thank and how you. can the listening yes. audience yes. get a hold get a hold of you or okay. purchase your book? Okay. So the book's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles online and in your local bookstore, whatever you choose to support. Um and you can just find the expansive dot community. That's the website where you can go to and find out more about the community and join and be a part of creating this portal of expansive consciousness together. Our thanks to Anna Gatman for her comments here today. We also thank our audience here, as well as those listening to the recording. Thank you very much, Anna Gatman. Thanks for having me. And now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California, commemorating its 116th year of enlightened discussion, is adjourned.